This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Headstrong. If this is your first time listening, my name is Louis Strong and I am the host of this podcast. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a number of people in the public eye to talk to them about what the word headstrong means to them. And to me, it means to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Joining me on this episode of Headstrong is TikTok sensation Kieran Hamilton. Kieran struck to fame during lockdown with his incredible teacher's persona on the app, but spoke to me poignantly about his relationships with his family and his own mental health. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. But first, a quick note from our series sponsor, RCK Partners. RCK Partners specialise in helping UK businesses claim R&D tax relief across the engineering, agricultural and tech space. If you'd like to find out about this valuable source of funding for your business, head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. Kieran, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you so much. I'm uh, delighted you've joined me on my podcast because you've been a regular feature on my For You page on TikTok, (laughs) uh, given what can only be described, and maybe you will describe it differently, as a kind of exaggerated stereotypes of teachers Mm -hmm. in comedy sketches. um, And I think it's hilarious. 
How did you come up with this concept and idea? Where did it come from? Um, I started in lockdown. I was so bored and just found myself. If I, I was at drama school actually, and then COVID cut that short. <clears throat> and then I just wanted to be creative. I like thrive and feel normal when I'm just creative. So I just started making random TikToks and then a memory come up about being a school in the exam hall. And I just <laughs> made a, just a video and thought nothing of it. And then like there's so many memories from school that I uh, remembered and thought, you know what, this is a thing here. And I just ran with it. And yeah. When TikTok first came about, did you think that, you know, cause I remember, I remember I resisted for a while on TikTok and everyone was just like, oh, yeah, God, yeah, it's an app for however, what, you know, like 16 year olds, that's what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, well I'll resist then for a while. Lockdown comes along and then you're like, okay, fine. I'll do it. When you, when you started on the app, did you think, okay, this is, you know, because it's like, ultimately, it's like your, to an extent, part of your living now, your existence. Like, yeah, do you ever think that that's a, like that, an opportunity or a possibility? You only think about social media in a general like that. I never in a million years thought that I'd ever do social media as a job, like ever, ever, ever. And it just spiraled into it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. When you sit down and do these sketches and stuff come up with the concept of it. how do you do it is it kind of you know maybe when as you were saying chatting with your your housemate and your boyfriend and going oh i remember that and then you just kind of go with it or do you sit down and try and write them or do you just improv i improv everyone so i just have a bullet point of the idea um and then i just turn the camera on and see what comes out because most of the time i'll start with one idea <clears throat> and i'll do i'll do like a little nuance or a little thing in that within the idea to create another one, if that makes sense. So I just drop bullet points as I go along and then that just spirals into more ideas and more ideas. Do you ever hit a wall? Oh yeah. I hit a wall about a year ago. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I ran out of teach stuff about a year ago, but somehow I just managed to find one more idea every now and then I'll find one more idea, one more idea, but I've like transitioned into like mum sketches as well now. So I'm yeah. like, I mean the teacher stuff, I, I can't think of any other idea that I could possibly do. I'm pretty sure I'll probably come up from, but do you feel like a pressure? Cause now you've got a consistent following. Do you feel a pressure to produce quality content or is it quantity? Cause it's so, I don't know, you're on your phone and it's so easy to consume. And ultimately, you know, it's just a, a one minute video or however long it is. Oh. Do you feel that pressure to create more or quality? Um, I prefer quality. Well, mostly if I find it funny, I'll put it out. But if I, I used to get like, I used to buckle under the pressure of trying to get one video a day, one video a day, sometimes two videos a day. But when you make comedy sketches, it's so hard to constantly come up with new ideas daily, um, get them right and push them out in time. So I'd kind of just create content now when I feel like I'm in the mood too, because then I feel like that will translate better as well if I'm in the mood or if, if I have like a really random funny five minutes. Do you like when the dog gets the zoomies and they run everywhere? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Get that, I get that in like human form. So if I do that, then I just like, I think, right, I'll just film some TikToks now because I just feel weird. And I think that's like when I work best. You need that kind of creative energy though. You know, it's like that, as you say, like it's kind of tentative, nervous, crazy, energetic, just commitment to something. And then you just go for it. That's really interesting. <clears throat> so how do, yeah. what do you, what do you, in terms of your day to day, life then it's not like a normal job you know let's talk about that for real you know uh, you're self-employed and you create your own yeah. structure what's that like for you do you find that difficult um not really to be fair because now i'm in the routine of doing things how i'm used to doing it like uh, if i get a job through i like to wait it's, su it's such a bad way but it just works for me i like to wait really until the last 
like the last day that I can do it um, in order to do it because then I have to do it. You know what I mean? I've got no choice but to do it. But if I film and I know I've got like a week and a half to do this job, I will do it. And if I don't like it, I'll be like, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll try tomorrow. And then it just breaks me out of that in the moment um, humour of getting it right the first time. Whereas if I have to do it on the last day, or maybe not the last, it's a bit extreme, maybe like two or three days before it's due in in case anything goes wrong. I've got no choice but to get it right. So it just works better for me. Mm, that's interesting. And do you, do you still find time to kind of switch off? Because it can be such a consuming thing. As you say, you say you have time to devote it to creating content and then doing these jobs and stuff. Do you have time to just switch off and kind of go, right, actually, this is me time. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes and no, because I, I feel like I get wrapped up and I've spoken to a lot of people, actually. I constantly am thinking about things to record and film because the worst thing for someone, if you do social media, is you're just going to die out and then that's it, you're done, really. You're basically your career's over. Um, so it's really hard to not think of what to post. And sometimes you get really wrapped up in that and like, I can't just sit down and not think of it. I'd have to like, I'm right, I'm not doing anything for the next five days. And then in my head, I know not to think of anything for the next five days. But um, your mind is constantly going because you have to think of what to do for the jobs and film the jobs, edit the jobs, and also keep up your TikTok, Instagram, if you do YouTube, all of these other um, platforms. And also I'm trying to write my own show. So it's finding time to do that and then normal life things, social life. And it seems like it seems like such an easy job from the outside, but it's so it literally consumes your whole day. Even if you're not doing anything, it feels like you're constantly you feel bad for resting, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do get that completely. What about then when lockdown ended and you were able to go out and about and then you probably for the first time people started to recognise you, being like, oh, oh my God, it's amazing. What was that like? What was that experience like? It was really, really weird, I'm not going to lie, because I, even when I got like 10,000 followers, that to me was ridiculous. And um, when my following grew to like, I think it was maybe 300k, then lockdown ended, or well, the restrictions eased, so people were out and about. I didn't correlate the numbers to people actually knowing, if you know what I mean. Mm, I just sure numbers on the screen. I didn't realise people actually would know who I was. And where I've got such a distinctive look, I don't, re I don't really know anyone who looks like me. And if I do such a, a specific niche as like teacher stuff, it's kind of instantly recognisable. So it was really, really weird. And I was so awkward. I felt so bad. This one guy in car, I can still remember it now. <laughs> um, she came up to me and she said, oh my God, I really like myself. And I just didn't say anything. I was so like, oh my God, what do I do? And I felt, I felt like I was the one who should have got nervous. Well, I, I was absolutely shit in my pants, I'm going to lie. Um, but I felt awful and she was so sweet and I felt so bad when I left. And then since then, I just always say, like, give people the time of day. <laughs> what, what happened? Did you take a photo with her? No, I literally just did the like. Uh, <laughs> I know. It was awful. Absolutely awful. Do you also have that pressure when you're out and about to be funny? Because there's this difference between Kieran the person and then Kieran the person who's behind the sketches. Is there that pressure? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people... I mean, to be fair, the teacher... Uh, character is pretty much an extension of my personality anyway um obviously it's a bit it's like definitely amped up but <laughs> a lot of people say oh can you do a video quick and obviously i just snap straight into character 
Um, <laughs> so I don't, it's only when people ask me, I'll like snap into character or, or people will, like, they'll shout like my phrases at me and obviously I'll do it back just as I banner. Um, but there's never like a pressure to do so. Um, especially sometimes if I'm in a rush or not in the best of moods, I'll still give people like the time of day and say hello and speak to them. But it's very, ne- like, it's probably noticeable that I'm very like, like rushed or something. So sure. Yeah, that's, that's, it's really nice that you actually do it though, because you know, again, especially when there's apps like Cameo and things where you can ultimately, they can help run your self-employment business. You know, yeah. it's, it's great that you actually are willing to do that because I know that I'm sure that there are content creators that wouldn't. Yeah. 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 I just, I'm very cautious of never having, never letting someone have a bad time when they meet me. Cause it's probably the worst thing to meet someone that you actually like to watch or you like, or look up to in a sense. And then they're just not, not it. It's just very like, uh, so a question yeah, as well, then does being the funny person in your friendship group necessarily correlate to being funny on social media? Is that a difficult kind of transition? No, I think I think it's pretty much just the same. I've always been like the class clown, especially in school. And um, we're in like friendship groups. But the, to be fair, all my friendship group, we have like the same humour. We all pretty much do like similar things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite an easy transition. How do you reflect on your time at school then? Is that a positive experience when you look back on it? Um, it was just all right. I mean, people would like try and torment me for because they thought I was gay. They were right back then. I didn't. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it, I never used to get bullied as such, but people used to try and torment me. But I never used to let it affect me because I just laugh at everything anyway. So my defence mechanism is just laughter. I rely on laughter to get through so many things. Um, but yeah, my school was just all right. It was funny. Had some funny, funny memories, but I never had a bad time at school. So how, how do you did you did you struggle with identity growing up then? No, I just think I grew up finding everyone attractive, like from diff- from all genders. And then it wasn't until like I realised in college, oh, I have like more of a liking to, I, I think I can appreciate a good looking uh, woman and be like, yeah, you're very attractive, but not sexually, if that makes sense. And I think it just took some time for me to figure out the two. Sure. Okay. Uh, mm. what, what, how did, how did that, how, how did that help then? How, how did you do that? Because I know that there are so many young adults now growing up, going through school, especially when you kind of hit 13 and you start to feel things and it, they find it difficult, you know, knowing because yeah. there's, especially when there's, as you know, Instagram posting, all, all these influencers posting things. Um, how, how do you kind of know what to do, where to say yes, where to say no, what feelings to accept? Um, I feel like it's just down to every individual. You kind of know in yourself what feels right and what feels wrong. Um, obviously, when you're younger, a lot of people like experiment and you're young. You, like people just don't know about, you don't know about all these different fo- and feelings and all that stuff. And it's normal just to follow whatever you're feeling, if that makes sense, towards um, any gender. For me, it was just probably that, experiment in age and then I realized okay this the attraction I have for men is a lot higher on a sexual level and then the, I realized that the appreciation that I have for a woman isn't the same level as for a man and I suppose it's also when you grow up there's so much 
you're scared because of what people think around you or family and all that stuff. And it's not until like you, if you accept it yourself, people around you can't, they can't say anything. Cause if you're not embarrassed by it, if you're like, yeah, I am. So what? They're like, Oh, okay. Well then I can't really say anything to piss you off because you're fine with it. So, so what age then did you, did you accept these feelings in terms of knowing that you, you know, like boys? Um, what was I in college? I think from around, yeah, I think from around that age, I was very like, okay, I think so. I'm not definitely sure. And then when I got with my boyfriend, I'm still with now, that's when I was like, yeah, oh, I started seeing, I was like, yeah, that, this is pretty much solidified for me. So that was like 17, 18, 18, 19. I'd say around 17, 18. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but a quick note from our series sponsor, RCK Partners. If you're looking to take advantage of R&D tax credits to boost your business's cash flow, RCK Partners can help you. Simply head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. Now, back to Kieran. Okay, sure. So when we when you look at that now, and I know that sometimes these stories are particularly personal, but do you remember kind of talking to your family about it? No. Well, I went to friends first um, and then family just because my dad was very against. He's like, he's um, Jamaican and very like the man's man. So he was very not for it. And it was very scary because he was basically the person in the household that you didn't want to piss off. You know what I mean? (laughs) But my mum, like she, she couldn't give two you know what I mean? She, she's so open. And also, like, her brother's gay, my uncle's gay. Then my dad used to speak to my uncle. It's very, like, confusing for me because I didn't know what, where the line was crossed. Um, but, yeah, I remember speaking to my mum. But I, t- I told mum, and then I couldn't tell my dad. She told my dad. Um, and that was, like, a scary time because I was like, oh, what do I do? You know what I mean? But to my mum, I was more comfortable and than everyone else. It felt weird speaking, even saying the words, I'm gay, for so long. And then... Yeah, it just felt, it just became normal, I suppose, in, like within myself. Are you happy if we talk about your dad for a second? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, what was so when your mum spoke to him then? In terms of that acceptance, then was it a matter of that kind of mental thought process of you thought it was going to be way worse than it was? Uh, ish. Well, I wasn't there to like. I wasn't at home when mum told dad to receive whatever he said i don't know and then it took a long time for us to even be able to speak um we've only really recently started speaking um and that's like five and a half years later and it's just he was the type of person not to be emotional anyway he doesn't he's not a very emotional person um i didn't rely on him um emotionally so for me it was it wasn't as hard as say if it was my mum who I rely on all, like, she's, like, my emotional support, like, 100%. Obviously, it affects me because, obviously, I just wanted everything to be normal, just be, like, a normal, function family. Um, but then again, what is normal? Um, but, yeah, it was hard, but not as hard as I thought it would be, mostly because I moved to London the year after anyway, so I wasn't at home. We had time apart. And I think after, when he just saw that I was the same person as before, it was then easier for him to just accept it and just be like, well, look, nothing's really changed except from what I do behind closed doors. 
And first of all, why think of that anyway? You know what I mean? That's, my, that's, <laughs> always, that's always my number one argument. It's like, I don't think about you doing behind closed doors. So why, why is what I do behind closed doors bothering you in the slightest? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a question. When, when did you first become aware of your own mental health? Or have you always been quite content with it? I've always been quite content with it. I mean, I've had slight struggles, but I'm very good at just dealing with stuff on my own. If I'm probably, first time I noticed it was probably end of school, beginning of college. But I think I've always surrounded myself with people that make me feel good or I make feel good through laughter, people that we pick each other up. So I've, I've always had like, even if I felt shit, if, if I didn't tell people about it, just being around them in their presence, just speaking about anything else would just make me forget about stuff. And when I forget about stuff, it's pretty much just gone and I don't care about it anymore. Mm, that's really great. And I think you're, that's so important, having that safe community of friends that A, you trust, but B, yeah. that you can just be unapologetically yourself with and just, just have that, you know, I, I dare I say the word banter, but that, that relationship of, yeah, yeah. you know, conversation, which is so great. So let's talk about drama school then so you went there at what 18 19 uh 19 19 with this vision of yeah, training to, to become be an actor to, yeah. to be the next to be the next actor how did you find the training was it mentally exhausting uh, it was a lot it wasn't like normal uni because you go in at what time did we start eight i think we started at eight and then you'd be there till 7 p.m and that's monday to friday obviously you have um periods break some jobs like two hour where you don't have a class but like if there wasn't a time where we had days off or we have lectures from home like we're in for because you go from like ballet then to singing then to acting then straight to tap then straight to street dance and it was very exhausting but it kind of just got into that routine and it just felt normal that's really interesting because i went to uni and did drama instead uh, mm. And obviously, <laughs> significantly less hours, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but so did you ever get out of uni before COVID? Oh, no, not uni, sorry, so drama school. I was in my third year. we done our third year show. Um, and then we were, oh God, this works so loud, sorry. Um, we'd done our third year show and then we were training, um, rehearsing for our agent showcase. So you have two shows in third year. And it was within that training period is that, I think it was end of March. Yeah, it was end of March when it locked down. And that's when it cut short. And we all thought it was two weeks and <laughs> two and a half oh, years later. Yeah. So we, we didn't graduate properly like until last year, August. And obviously I left in 2020. So what was the thought process then? you know because you wanted to take this career further into acting and i know I, and i don't know is it still is that still an aim is that still one of the goals for you uh, um for right now no just because it it depends really because business wise if i if i put my business head on the money i get from social media is a is a lot more than what i'd get to go on stage and for a lot less of the work um, or like physical hours to, to be somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, I'd love to do it maybe in a few years, but to me now, I still kind of perform on social media. Mm. So that's still me just, performing as a job, but just through social media. And you've still got that creative outlet, that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I definitely a thousand percent would go straight into a TV series now, like a comedy, a comedy show, comedy series, or a comedy role in a series. 
I'd go straight into that tomorrow. But like I, I wanted to be in musicals like the West End and touring and stuff. But now I don't want to. I don't think I'd ever go back to that. No, I think that's fair enough. When we, I want, I'm interested to touch on it, and please reveal as much or as little as you desire, because it is your life and your job. But I wanted yeah. to talk about TikTok and the TikTok fund, because it's something that obviously I do not have a Scooby Doo about. Okay, but in terms of the percentage of what you get from TikTok itself, and then actually brand deals, uh, private yeah. videos, all this stuff, what is TikTok compared to all of that? nothing so <laughs> really like, um yeah it's not at all so if you got like 1.5 million views you'd get like 25 pounds from tiktok that's like how much you'd get really and if maybe but if your views climb no matter how long it takes that video to get them views you'll get the same amount of money if that makes sense mm. it's just done by the number of views Whereas like the good money comes from brand deals and sponsored posts and all of that stuff. It's considerably, considerably different. That's really interesting. How, mm. how, so does, is that where your agent comes in and plays for you? Is that, do they approach your agent, your manager? Yeah. So like the management team now basically take over everything for me. They'll, they'll come to me and they say, um, Uber's sent you this job. You need to do like one TikTok for X amount of money. Um, they can use the footage for this long, however long. You can't work for another brand, a competitor brand for like uh, two weeks or just as the campaign's live. And then they'll do like all the contracts. They'll bargain to get you a better price because obviously, I mean, if they get me a better price, they get more money. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So, But they just take off all of the stress and then basically just tell me what to do i send over a creative idea get signed off and then i do it then they'll probably send it back and say can you change this can you change that can you change that and then just, that's pretty much the whole process of that so what would be your suggestion or word of advice to uh, an aspiring content creator honestly just do what you find funny or good or you love because other people find enjoyment in you enjoying yourself because like, i don't really i don't follow anyone on tiktok that is doing something they don't want to do because it's not it's not enjoyable to watch. And if you want to turn it into a career, just <laughs> don't sell yourself short. It might sound like because I've never had money growing up at all, and um, I was in complete shock at what someone could give you just to promote them. And my word, if someone's just starting, like go really really high, and it's probably still low for the in a short form. Because I kind of drug that answer out of it. In a short form, just do what you want to do. Um, if you enjoy it, if you love it, if it makes you happy, if it makes you laugh, whatever it is, just go with that because other people enjoy you enjoying yourself. And also, if you want to turn it into a career, just don't sell yourself short because you can you can push these brands for money, basically. <laughs> they will try and spend as little as they can, obviously, because that's what any any person would want to do. Um, but yeah, don't sell yourself short. Go in really high because the, the, the worst that can happen is they just say, oh no, the budget's this. And you say, mm. maybe this, and they'll just meet you in the middle. Amazing. Good advice. Right. Obviously, you've had a whirlwind couple of years then, this rise of your social following. What has been your biggest pinch yourself moment so far? Um, you know what? There's been some amazing moments. A few of them have been, I went, I went to the BAFTAs and I never ever thought that I'd ever go to the BAFTAs. Actually walk down the carpet um, 
and it was just incredible. I had the most amazing experience. And also, people that I look up to and idolise like, in, for comedy and stuff have, like, noticed me. And that, for me, is the most mental thing. That is just, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy when I, when I think about the people that I've, like, looked up to when they say, oh, yeah, I love your work. And I went to a screening of Mo Gilligan's new show on Netflix at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was, like, a room full of so many creatives. There was celebrities in that room everything and then i was we we arrived late well not late but we were the last one because it's a free bar so we were just absolutely <laughs> <ready to> the <laughs> bar. <laughs> um so the only space available was at the front and then when mo walked in he like before he said anything he just stopped and said to me oh my god you're you you don't do the teacher stuff um i feel like my head teacher's that she's sat here right now like completely love everything you're doing keep doing what you're doing and he literally spoke to me in front of everyone for like two minutes just praising me and I just thought it's a it was just mental I never ever thought that someone of that like greatness would ever know as I was so it's, it's weird that's amazing that's so um fulfilling you know kind of makes it all worthwhile do you know what I mean yeah literally and like especially a comedian saying that to me and I'm doing comedy stuff it was just so validating as well yeah definitely now what are those future plans and goals then I know you've got the, a new podcast coming out which is tremendously exciting Yes, yes. We're releasing the podcast, on, I think, on the 31st of August. Um, and then also, I'm currently writing a show, a family comedy sitcom. Family, what did I just say? Family comedy sitcom. Yeah, there we go. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> about, my fa- <laughs> about my family. And yeah, I, I just want to be in a comedy show. I don't know if to write it and star in it. Because where it's my family, I don't know if that's too close to home, if it's going to be a bit weird. Or, um, yeah, I definitely just want to explore loads of these avenues from where I'm at now and just see what, see what sticks. Amazing. Right, the final question that I ask every guest on the podcast is, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong mean... Hmm, that's a good question. I <laughs> think, personally, for me, if I said I was headstrong, it means I'm... Comfortable, my, comfortable with myself. Um, basically, just to find self-acceptance and self-love and you're able to carry yourself without the reliance of other people. As much as other people around you is there to lift you up and it's so great to have that support system, you need to find love and acceptance within yourself and for yourself first before you can go out and try and do that with anyone else. So it's just like being comfortable and fully supportive in yourself. That's how I'd see Headstrong. No, it's a brilliant outlook. I really like that. Thank you so much. Um, what a great episode. It's been great to chat to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. Uh, this is going to be great for any new content creators, I hope. Uh, and, and thank you for being so open and honest. No, thank you for having me. I've had a great time. And that is the end of this episode of Headstrong. A massive thank you to Kieran for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting to him and I love all his content. So go check him out on TikTok and Instagram. They're absolutely quality and I know that you'll enjoy them and find them incredibly funny, just like I do. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a review or share it with your family and friends or indeed go check out some previous episodes. I will see you next week for another episode of Headstrong. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.